Okay, welcome to another episode of The Point of Everything. Uh, this is Keelan, and I'm here with Ashling and Rory O'Neill, uh, who is Panty Bliss also. Um, we're in St. Luke's Church uh, just before your show, which is about two or three hours away. The fact that I'm saying that there's a drag queen playing in a church <coughs> would, to me, seem a sign of the times for where Ireland is. Where do you... Well, weirdly, this is not the first time I've done this particular show in a church. Two weeks ago, I did it in a church in Brighton, um, also like this one, a deconsecrated church. Um, I don't know if this is really a sign, because it is a deconsecrated church, so it's just a building now, um, but it does sort of make me smile a little <laughs> that I've ended up you know, standing up at the pulpit preaching my, <laughs> my heathen stuff to you know, the congregation. Um. I guess, does that mean that it's more of a sign of the times that the church is deconsecrated than there being a drag exactly. show? Exactly. I mean, I think that's what it's about. You know, I think 40 years ago, or less, there were no deconsecrated churches knocking around Cork that I was aware of. Um, and also, I think even if there was, people still would have been a little funny about it, wouldn't they? You know, these things were held in such high esteem. Um, so, yeah, well, I, I mean, obviously Ireland has moved on a huge amount from then, and... Um, People have different attitudes about things now, and um, you know, yeah, I'm, I'm all for it. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I wouldn't say. Um, obviously, I grew up in a regular Irish family, and my family are religious and all that, so I get it. But I personally, um, I don't get it. So, so you know, I, I think people are happier with that religion personally. So, yeah. do you, going back to like that's not that far away that the whole Pentagate thing was really mm -hmm. at, at its peak. Yeah. Um, the difference in Ireland only in that two years, do you, do you see that to be a huge thing? Or, I mean, we're, we're a bit younger, so we wouldn't know yeah. the, the level of change that's happened. For well, I don't know if you could sort of quantify a change in the last two years exactly, but I think what has happened in the last two years is that a change that perhaps had already happened was sort of confirmed for everybody. And obviously the big thing in that was the marriage equality referendum in last May. Um, you know, I think if we'd held that marriage referendum a year earlier, we probably would have gotten the same result, or pretty damn close. But we didn't know that until we actually had the referendum. And so I think the referendum result that day, it just sort of confirmed for everybody, yes, Ireland has changed. I mean, we kind of knew it, but... It was, it was, you know, it's like you're getting your leaving search results or something. Here's the proof. Yeah. Yeah. You know, th th there's, there's no debate anymore. Ireland has totally changed. Yeah, Do you I think... Remember, I, remember, I remember waking up that morning and going downstairs and I was living at home at the time. My mom was like running around being like, why haven't you been up earlier? It's, it's happened. It's yes. And we were just hugging my dad. I was like, what are you, what are you crying about? And I was like, <laughs> this is amazing. So like yeah. that for me was a, like a huge thing as you're saying, just to see that change in yeah. my parents, like, you know, to yeah. be delighted about that. Well, if, I, if I had only one tiny complaint about it in a small <laughs> way, is that because the yes result was so emphatic that yes, we all knew from the morning how yeah, it was, was going. So there was no, yeah, there was the tension sort of went out of there. But it was such a brilliant day. And I mean, I don't know about down in Cork, because I know in Galway they had terrible weather that day. Um, but in Dublin, it was glorious weather out of nowhere. It just seemed like, you know, God herself was cheering about it, you know. Because that was like a, there was a very, a pinpoint sort of seminal moment where 
with Pantygate and then the following, with the referendum, we had a moment where we could say, oh, we've had to talk to ourselves about something that's really mm. big here. And Ireland has definitely had massive changes over only my lifetime, let's yeah. say, two generations. But there's lots of other parts of Irish culture that we could definitely talk to ourselves a little bit about. Yes, well, I mean, part of the Pantygate thing, actually, was that it started the conversation about, you know, how Ireland treats LGBT people and so on earlier than it would have happened, you know, naturally before the referendum. Um, and, um, and I was thrilled about that because I think it was time we had a proper conversation about it, you know, a proper deep conversation about it and really discussed it and I think it was good for the country. And I think it would be good for the country to have that same depth of conversation about a number of other issues too. But that is part of the change in Ireland too, is that those conversations are happening in a way that they didn't happen before. So even if it's around abortion or, you know, so, well, so many other issues, you know, I think 20 or 30 years ago when these things would come up occasionally, people were almost afraid to talk about them. And, and the people who wanted to go against the official line of the church and so on felt very intimidated in some ways. Um, you know, and so weren't necessarily able to speak up in their real mind. And I think that has changed now. And now people feel that, yes, they can have their opinion and express it, even if that opinion is, you know, not what the church or whatever would have wanted. Um, because I think that is one of the biggest changes that have happened in this country in the last, whatever, 25 years, whatever, is just the decimation of the power of the church. Yeah. And, and that's arguably the biggest change, because that has had an effect on everything else. Do you think Ireland has got braver then, or is just faced up to reality? Um, well, I, it's probably a combination of both, really. Um, I don't want us to be just slapping ourselves in the back too much and saying, oh, aren't we great, look, we're capable of change and whatever. Because really what it's about, you know, I think of so much of it, is, is that the world has changed and become so much smaller. So, you know, Irish people travel so much and young Irish people go and live abroad and all that. And they see so much of the world that they never would have, you know, 40 years ago. That has all changed. And then the internet came along and brought the world into your living room or your bedroom or whatever. And so, you know, like in every other country, really, we're just so much more exposed to how other people view these things, how other countries deal with them. And I think if you've, you know, gone off after college and lived in, you know, Berlin or wherever it is for a couple of years and you you know, got, did all that experience, that changes you. And then it's impossible then to come back to Ireland, you know, and, you know, and sort of have accepted the sort of the 1950s Ireland we used to, to have. So, I mean, I, th I think that's a global change. And you can see that same kind of change in, in other countries. I was just reading the other day about the Gay Pride March in Uganda. You know, how brave do you have to be to go to the Gay Pride March in Uganda? But, I was, but that would not be happening if it weren't for the internet. You know, because yeah. those activists too are inspired by what they see online and you know, what they read about other countries. And, and I think we wouldn't have marriage equality now, for example, if we hadn't all been sitting reading the internet about the campaigns in other countries, you know, seeing those you know, ads and arguments, say, about in, in the US, for example, or and in other places. Um, because before the internet came along and easy travel and all of that, you know, we could all have our own little fiefdoms and they were very unconnected and you know, so you could live in Ireland and think, well, the world is, thinks the same way about, about you know, whatever, gays or abortion or whatever it is. Whereas now you, you can't. You know that 
the rest of the world and all over the world there are different opinions and different countries do it differently and so um yay for the internet <laughs> A, a show in your hometown mm. and you put up a very powerful image of doing your makeup at your mum's makeup yeah. table. So how was that? What was that moment like? Um, well, I think maybe you have to, you know, be a gay kid, maybe growing up in a small Irish town to understand what that was like in some ways because, you know, I had always felt kind of weird and different and a little out of place, you know, sort of a, a gay pig in a square hole, if you want, you know, in Ballinor County Mayo, because it's a really small West of Ireland town. And, um, and I just never felt comfortable there, you know, since I, you know, was, you know, after 12 or whatever. And, um, and so I had a very odd relationship with the town and my parents still lived there and they were still alive and some of my brothers and sisters still live there. And so I go there for Christmas and you know other family events, whatever. But I always kind of thought of my parents' house as home, and beyond the my my parents' garden wall is this sort of weird town that I had this odd relationship with. And mm -hmm. um, so, and and that was all tied up with being the young gay boy, yeah. you know, growing up in the nineteen seventies, where that it wasn't, you know, wasn't happening, you know. Um, and I always kind of thought, and you know, I also just felt there was nothing. No place for me there, sort of. Not that they're terrible people or anything, they're lovely people and all that, but that's just the way it is. And uh, so then, to be going back to Ballinrobe and they have erected this giant marquee in the car park of the local tyre business, and there are rainbow flags flying above the handball alley, and there are homemade little rainbows on the doorknobs of all the doors on Main Street. And there are posters and windows and signs around him. Good luck, Candy. And, you know, whatever. <laughs> it is this kind of stuff. It was just overwhelming, to be honest. Like, so surreal. Yeah. And lovely. I mean, really lovely. And just the way it happened, it was exactly a week after the referendum. Yeah. So not only was all that, but then it was... The background to all this was that Mayo, like everywhere else, had voted yes in the referendum. And then... Yes, I got ready in my parents' house. Um, I got ready in what you, what I still think of as my parents' bedroom. You know, they'd moved into a different bedroom house when the kids grew up, but it's still in my mind. This is my parents' bedroom, and and my mother's old dressing table is still in there. And I got ready in there at her old dressing table, the same dressing table that I used to watch her getting ready, you know, to go to a dance with my dad or whatever. And then my parents walked me the sort of 150 yards up the road to the marquee, and the whole town is packed into that marquee you know, 500 and something of them. And they're loving it. Yeah. You know, every, you know, blue joke and, you know, whatever. And it's, you know, there's old Mrs. Fierick and a plastic chair in the front row, you know, I would buy chocolate off on my way home to school. You know, it was just so odd. Um, but brilliant and lovely and, um, yeah. And I, because in a way, they were almost celebrating the very thing about me that had made me feel awkward there when I was younger. So it was, it was yeah, an amazing sort of event on lots of levels for me personally. And how do you how do you feel about the place now? You know, having had that happen, do you feel like it's somewhere that you would go back to, or 
Well, know. I'm still a city boy, and yeah. I'm not going to be, you know, <laughs> you know, I'm not going to be building a house in Ballon Road, and you know, whatever. But it definitely has changed my relationship with the town. It's like it's like we shook hands about something, you know. <laughs> yeah. it, it, this thing got resolved in a way, or for me anyway, yeah. and it sort of moved on. I mean, and there's one thing because um, um, just as an example, so during that show, obviously, I I hear lots of local references and whatever. I made this joke about a guy in the town who the whole town calls Cock James. And that's his name. So everybody calls him, everybody knows him by. And like even my old mother would say, oh, I saw Cock James at the supermarket. You know, like, and nobody thinks anything of it. It's like, it's just always been funny to me. And, um, and, and he'd be like one of those boys that when I was a kid, I would be like, you know, he was, you know, one of the corner boys. You know what I mean? You know. Um, the frat boy. Yeah, kind of. And, um, and so I make this joke about him and, you know, and that funny name and the whole place, you know, because whatever, they're just in uproars of laughing about it. Um, and also because of the kind of lad that he is, or, yeah. or a fully grown man now, of course, yeah, whatever. <laughs> but then, of course, um, the show is being filmed for this documentary that's coming out. Okay. And then the documentary, because you know, they wanted to include that joke in the thing. So then they had to call him up and get his permission. And of course he's, sure, sure, no problem. And even that, in a weird way, is another sign. And, you know, I think the cock Jennings that I remember from 30, 40, whatever it is, years ago, you know, I, I don't know that he would have been that cool to drag him making a joke about you, but the world has changed, yes, you know? Yes, it has changed, so. Even Mayo. Yeah, even Mayo. <laughs> So about three to six months ago, I'm not really sure when, my, I saw a photo of my friend Dee, she was in Toronto, I think it was at some sort of Toronto Pride, maybe not that actually that weekend, and she was delighted with herself that she was getting a photo with you. Okay. And it, what it reminded me of was a thing that Tommy Tiernan once said when I was listening to him on the radio, about there being certain characters that um, they go to Canada and Australia and they tour around the UK and all of the Irish come out all the yes. expats I don't really like the word expat but all the expats and you know Irish people who are working abroad especially yeah. in the last five seven years there's been a lot more of that <clears throat> and he pointed to Damien Dempsey and like Christy Moore and himself he said he noticed that he was one of those people where people yeah. came out and he'd never seen so many Ross Common jerseys in his yeah. life. but now that he was in Toronto he was seeing them yeah and it struck me that you were now one of those people that the Irish in all those countries come out and can't wait Yes, well, I think, um, I mean, that's true. Wherever I am abroad, there's always a lot of Irish people, especially in the, if it, and if it's a, a run of a show or something, the first night, there's always loads of Irish people. Mm -hmm. but, but every time, there's always a good, you know, smattering of Irish, um, except, oddly enough, in Norwich. I was doing a show in Norwich and not a single Irish hand went up. But, um, <laughs> but generally, yeah, it's packed with Irish people. Um, I mean, there's a couple of things there. Irish people when they're abroad, they like these little emissaries from home, you know? And I think in my case, um, a lot of the kind of Irish people that are living abroad, especially if they're living in a city like Toronto or New York or wherever it is, um, they're sort of proud that, that, that they're 
you know, that, that Arlen has become the kind of person that can make a drag queen some sort of symbol or something. And, you know, I think if you're, you know, one of those Irish people and you're living in Toronto, there's probably not a lot of things you can say to your friends, you know, your Canadian friends kind of brag about because the whole world thinks we're kind of back, backwards. Yeah. But then Ireland votes for marriage equality, whatever, or are these, oh, see this drag queen here, you know, yeah. you know, in Ireland, everybody knows her, you know, you know, it's something that they can sort of say, this is a positive or liberal thing about Ireland. So they, they, they do like that, especially the gays, <laughs> because they love the, I think they want to say, look, this is a gay thing from Ireland that's actually good, <laughs> you know, whatever, <laughs> there, there, there's that. Um, so, so yes, that's true. There's always loads of Irish people at these things. Um, which is great. Yeah. Um, I often try to get a sense at the beginning of the show, you know, how many Irish people are here, um, because it changes how you might, the things you might reference or tell or talk about or whatever. Yeah. You know, if there's, a, if there's a good enough chunk of Irish people there, mm. um, and 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 I enjoy it too. You know, it's fun and. Um, you know, and they, and they do, you know, they grab you in the streets and, oh my God, I, oh, somebody at home won't believe I met you here. You know, it's all that <laughs> stuff. Um, but that, you know, it's all good and, and you know, it's, it's fun. Yeah. Even now, I was at, I was working at Latitude Festival a few weeks ago um, in the Solace area and um, I had like one night off and I was oh. like, I'd made a friend there because I was working doing wristbands and I was like right we're going to see Panty tonight and she was like who's that she's she was English and I would just explain to her and she was like okay and we came we went along to the show and it was lovely the tent was a bit strange the cabaret tent but it was a great show it's so hot in that yeah and everyone was just panned out on the ground like but it was it was a very good show yeah. and the dress was incredible <laughs> yeah uh, yeah yeah well, and you, you get a lot of that when I'm abroad. Irish people are bringing their local friends. Mm. Yeah. And I was only out of the country for, like, at that point, it was, like, the third day, and I was like, I need to go see something Irish. <laughs> <laughs> it was that and the other oh, voices stage that I spent <laughs> oh, yeah, most yeah. of my time at, you know? <laughs> yeah, because I also did... Um, a lot, no, you're not talking about Latitude. You were talking, you're talking about Body and Soul. No, Latitude in, oh, the, no, in no, England. Oh, in England, yeah, 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 yeah. Okay, oh, yeah. that was a weird one. All yeah, right. yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so my show wasn't until like 1 a.m. and I thought it would be full of like really drunk, rowdy people, but Latitude isn't like that. No, it's not. It's so, so strange. I don't know what the act was on before me, but they she was awful. killed everything. Yeah, <laughs> so you were seeing that. There was hardly anybody left in the tent, and yeah. those that were were like lying on the ground <laughs> at 1 a.m. You know, it was one of the hardest gigs I've ever done in my really? life. Well, because it took me a good 20 minutes to get that crowd awake. Yes, yes, I worked yes. so fucking hard the first 20 minutes of that. It was and great. I was, I, it was very, I enjoyed it a lot. It was one of the best things I saw at the festival. Yeah, really, really that was a really hard one. That yeah. one so I thought you were talking about body and soul. It was super hot. The time yeah. <laughs> in the afternoon and, you know, packed and beautiful. So... question for you, for you as someone who's performing drag internationally who's Irish who was at the very like important in the marriage referendum debate getting that kind of be to become a, like I would call it a mainstream debate mm -hmm. or whatever that asking you one question lead opens up like a hundred doors to other questions mm -hmm. not just about 
drag or like about nationality and how mm-hmm. we've changed and about <clears throat> about sexuality and gender mm-hmm. roles in our country and internationally mm-hmm. and you're just one person or two people sometimes <laughs> yeah. you're just one person that must be like even now as we interview you it must be just tiring to always think about such big concepts that, um, that you represent well it's funny because you know other people think I represent these things in some way or or make them think about these things because you know not everybody agrees with me or whatever on everything but um, I mean what I mean, I don't mind the questions thing because these are the things that interest me too. You know, in a way, I've dedicated my life to these questions in some ways. And I've written a lot about what it means to be Irish if you're queer. Because, you know, I grew up in a time where being queer almost and being Irish were almost mutually exclusive. Mm. And, you know, and that has changed so much and that's been part of what my work, really, all my life. You know, to sort of find another way of being Irish. I mean... We used to do this thing called the Alternatives Ireland for 18 years, and that was one of the driving forces about that. It was to say, this is an Irish thing, and you can be as Irish as you want. You can be 100,000% Irish and still be covered in glitter, you know, and, and wave your breasts about or whatever, you know. But there's lots of other ways to be Irish. And, um, that's and the, the one I Yeah. <laughs> and the gender stuff and all that, well, obviously, you know, that's you know, very much part of what I do and everything. Um, so, no, I, I enjoy having these conversations mostly, and the more conversations you have about them, the more you think about them in different ways. And I go, you mentioned Canada earlier, and I've been there quite a few times, just to talk about gender stuff to their universities and that, because they have big gender studies departments and all that. And, you know, I enjoy that. Um, so, I mean, what I, what I do feel sometimes is there is more here in Ireland than in abroad where I'm really still seen as an entertainer. Most, you know, oh, the whole gay rights activist thing is always there, but, you know... You know, I'm usually going there to do a show. Whereas in Ireland now, people see me, this weird kind of thing, and the entertainer is not necessarily at the top of the list. Mm. And I can't decide to remind people, well, actually, I'm an entertainer. Yeah. And that is a weird pressure, yeah. because people take everything I say so seriously now. Yeah. And, and I am a drag queen entertainer, and, and if I worry too much about what I say, that's not good for, for what I do, you know? Um, I think if you're an entertainer, you can't overthink things, you know, you, and you have to be prepared to say something that might upset somebody occasionally, you know, that's, and especially that's what live performance is about. And um, so that is an issue here, and I have had to be very conscious to make this decision to say to myself, to not overthink things and not worry too much about, you know, not saying exactly the right thing all the time, because, you know, you really can't please everybody all the time. And actually, it's funny this is in Cork because um, I, when this tour started we came to Cork on the second night um, and we did it in the Opera House the show has changed quite a lot since then but you know, essentially it was this show and um, um, I made a silly throwaway joke about bisexuals that night and I got a very angry letter from the Bisexual Network of Ireland you know a week later yeah. and um, and it was a silly throwaway joke and it was in a section of the show where I make purposefully silly, throwaway, stereotypical jokes about all the various sexualities. That's kind of the point of that section of the show. So, but they were upset when I made it, you know, about this. And that really made me think at the time, people take things that what I say now too seriously. Because I think if they'd gone to see that show and it was a different drag queen, or they'd stumbled across, they wouldn't have cared. But when, you know, you know, warrior panty, gay rights person, you know, said it, 
it hurts them yeah. or whatever. But I essentially had to say, suck it up. Because I am an entertainer, um, I can't overthink things. You have to understand who's saying these things and why they're saying them. And I had a good reason to be making stereotypical jokes in, in, the, in the context of the show. I, you know, it wasn't just a, you know. And I don't want to start overthinking everything. Because yeah. then it's impossible to be funny if you worry about every single thing, you know. Sure. I, I grew up on the, on the same street that Danny LaRue was born on. So I kind of like had this, I don't know, something in my mind where I was like, that's some, you, when you grow up near somebody famous, you have like a, a con, not a connection. Mm, thing, yeah. You keep an eye out for them. Sorry, yes. Know. And it's yeah. part of the, your background yeah, in a sense. Sure. Yeah. And I always wondered because what Danny LaRue is like the 70s, I guess. Yes, well, his I guess the peak of his fame would have been the 70s, and 60s and 70s. In a way, like pe- what people qualified that was because because he was doing comedy t- to a lot of people, you know. Yeah. They saw it as like as an entertainment, and also they just allowed it to be like, well, that's just comedy. That's a man dressed up as a rainbow, but that's comedy. Yeah. And now for you, it's like, well, you're a politician to some people mm. in some people's minds, and so that's a huge jump from what we sort of allow into our, like, political thought. Yes, it is. Um, well, people like Danny and that and in that era, they often had to sort of fudge the sexuality thing, and they would be like, you know, they would sort of almost vaguely pretend to be straight. You know, I mean, you'd have to be pretty to buy it, but that was the kind of the presentation. Like, this is all just a bit of fun. You know, I'm a pantomime dame. Yeah. And nowadays, obviously, that's kind of changed, and... Everyone knows I'm a huge queer, you know, um, but, 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 but there is still that thing, though, where people don't take drag seriously and they don't, they, because their idea of drag is, is whatever they, they saw once on, you know, on Holiday in Lanzarote or <laughs> at the pantomime or whatever. And so, um, I, you know, I have always struggled all the way through my career against that. People's low expectations of you. And they imagine that your act is all going to be you know, saucy, saucy, you know, seaside postcard stuff, you know, whatever. Yeah. Um, and obviously the people who know me for a long time sort of understood more. And anybody who goes to a lot of drag knows that there's all kinds of drag queens. Yeah. And, you know, from the high end, high art to, you know, totally silly um, and everything in between. Um, but actually the whole Pantygate thing is what changed that for me here. And, and the, the noble call thing, because suddenly people got over the drag, they got past it, and listened to what I was actually saying. And, well, and like I said, that's kind of a double-edged sword, because yeah, I want people to take my work seriously, but on the other hand, I don't want them to take every single word out of my mouth totally seriously either, so... I like this is a pointless story but it's kind of funny that I watched RuPaul's Drag Race all the way through again and Twin Peaks at the same time it was a very <laughs> weird juxtaposition in my head but you see these shows like because myself and Keelan have had debates about this because he's watched RuPaul and I'm like don't like it oh, yeah. you know but I'm like it's kind of in a way bringing drag into kind of a, a kind of a wider audience uh-huh. where you talk about it in a kind of you know America's Next Top Model yeah. kind of way instead of being like oh my god the men yeah. dress him up as women and I think that's amazing. Now, some of it is a bit sensationalist yeah. as they need to be to get TV yeah. ratings, but it's just, 
like then you see these shows in America, like you know the uh, what's it called the lip sync battle thing. Yes, yeah. Which yeah. obviously is coming from drag. Yes, totally well. it is. Yeah. And like, I don't know. I, f- I think that that's an incredible like thing that that, mm. that like you know Ru- the RuPaul drag. Well, in, in general, I'm all for it. Um, because anything that sort of get, brings more opportunities for drag queens and, and all of that. Um, now, I have been around long enough to know that these things go in cycles. Mm. And I remember the first big sort of drag explosion, um, well, in my lifetime, or, there, or in the era of you know, electronic media and all that, um, was RuPaul's first time around. Yeah. And, and around that period, you know, there was a reason that it had happened for RuPaul then, because drag was bubbling up through club culture and was you know, really big in places like New York and that at the time, and then RuPaul came out of there. And that gave a lot of other drag queens a lot of opportunities because suddenly drag was seen as a, you know, possible, you know, something that was possible. Now, but these things go in cycles mm. and then it all fell out of fashion again. You know, there was, but there was a good, you know, in the 90s there, there was a good period where you could not go to a fucking fashion <laughs> show or any kind of party without a bunch of drag queens there being paid to, you know, walk around with the canapes or whatever, you know. <laughs> and, and then it went out of fashion again. And then RuPaul's Drag Race and other things have brought it really back into, into fashion again. My complaint with it, even though I love RuPaul's Drag Race and it's a gas show and it's mm-hmm. whatever, but that's what it is. It's a TV show. It's not really about drag exactly because it can only accommodate, in a sense, one kind of drag, which is this particular kind of uh, most American, American style drag. Now, they, they tried to make a big thing about, you know, pageant queens and comedy queens, and, you know, and there is a bit of that too. But, but most of my favorite drag artists would never even get through the audition because they wouldn't know what to do with them. Like, I don't know if you know somebody like Taylor Mack is or Johnny Wu or these kinds of people. Like, you know, what would Johnny Wu do on RuPaul's Drag? You know, they wouldn't even know where to begin with him, you know? And so, so it presents a very particular kind of drag. And that's fine, you know, and it has helped to popularize drag and those queens get to travel around and, and now I see all of these young baby drags here, you know, and there's hundreds of them. Yeah. And they all think of drag as a legitimate career choice. Mm. You know, where I never thought of that. I was just doing it for the crack and a bit of pocket money or whatever. And it just ended up, bit by bit, becoming my, my career. But, I, but I never imagined that anybody. I thought RuPaul was the only person in the world who could make a yeah. living out of being doing drag, you know. Yeah. And whereas now these kids, they see me and, you know, Shirley Temple Bar and whoever it is, and then they turn on the TV and they see all those queens who are then coming to their nightclubs, you know, whatever. Yeah. And they think, this is a career, and they're all doing it. And that's, I mean, I think that's great. So, so even though I think that RuPaul's Drag is, you know, is a very limited view of drag, at the same time, great. And I watch it, you know, yeah. you know I thought last season was a bit dull, though. <laughs> yeah, I wasn't too happy about the way that it was. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> we'll get into that now. <laughs>